You know, there's, uh, today I want to talk to you about the kingdom of God. And, and I, wanna, I want this to go deeper than you might imagine. I, I really believe there's something here that is very significant about the kingdom that sometimes we overlook. We can think so much about being a Christian, we should, and, and thank God for that new life we, we, uh, we have in Christ. We can also think about eternity in heaven, and we should. That's a, a great thing. But the emphasis of Jesus was more on the kingdom than it ever was on your salvation and on heaven. Because he understood that if you don't understand the kingdom of God and how it works, you really never f- have the full benefit of your salvation or understand how heaven fits into the grand picture of things. So as we talk about this, I want you to think about this. Um, You have to get into the environment where things naturally happen. Now, Now don't get in a hurry. Think about this a minute. This is deeper than you think it is. You have to get in the environment where things naturally happen. For example, if you want to get wet, you have to get into the water. Are you with me? If you want to get warm, you get next to the fire. You have to get in that environment. If you really want to understand and be blessed and experience the favor of God, you have to understand and get in the environment of the kingdom. You can be a Christian and not be in the environment of the kingdom. In other words, you can go through your whole life knowing for certain and without a doubt that you're saved and you're going to heaven and never experience the full benefits of the kingdom or how the kingdom works in your life. And I really believe this is why some people are frustrated in the Christian life when they hear other people report about some blessing, some answer to prayer, some favor of God on their life, and they go, why isn't that happening to me? And sometimes it's just because of the timing of God and the hand of God, but I think more often than not, it's because we don't understand how the kingdom works and how to get in that environment so that we get the benefit from the kingdom environment. Now, in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 10, it's a pretty familiar verse to, to many people, but it says this, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now, if you think about it, Jesus was giving a model prayer, and he said, I want you to understand about prayer, and you have to start with this concept of the Father. But he is in heaven, and then he's holy, set apart, and holy is his name. Now, look at the next part. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, what he's saying is that when you pray, you're to pray in the power of the kingdom, that all of the benefits of heaven become a reality on earth. And this becomes the basis of why we can call on God and expect and ask God to do things in our life. It is because he told us to pray for the realization of how heaven works to be realized in our daily life. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not human. It doesn't mean that we don't struggle but what it does give us is gives us access into the kingdom of God. So as we talk about home, we're going to be talking about this concept of home and welcome home and home for the Christmas uh, in the light of the kingdom of God. So I want you to think about your home, whether you rent or whether you own it, 
whether you have one or multiple homes, every one of them has a foundation. And in your life, in the kingdom, you have to have a foundation. And that foundation is gonna determine the size of the structure and the height of the structure. In other words, the better foundation you build in your life, the better you can build and the more expansive you can be in your impact for the kingdom of God. So it says this in in Matthew chapter seven and verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these things of mine and does them, I will liken to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now you'll notice that wisdom comes from listening to and doing what Jesus says. So if we flip that around the other way, then we would say foolishness comes from not listening or doing what Jesus says. And sometimes we try to live in between there. I don't really know what it says, but I love Jesus. But that's not what he says. He says, when you hear my words and you do them, you're a wise man. And it's like building your house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it did not fall. So how do I prevent this disaster in the natural realm? It's I build on a rock, I build a solid house, I build with wisdom. How do I, how do I avert disaster in my spiritual life is I do the same. I build the foundation solid. I build it on wisdom. I don't ignore the things Jesus says. I do the things Jesus said. Now, nobody's perfect, so don't get the idea that if, well, I'm not perfect, how am I ever gonna achieve that? We're not saying that. What we're saying is the goal never changes. The ideal never changes in the kingdom of God. Do what Jesus said, listen to what Jesus says, and and then when you don't, repent, ask God to forgive you, and move forward. See, some people, when they fail, they just think, well, I've already blown it. What difference does it make? It's kind of like I'm in trouble. I just, you know, I'm going to get in trouble anyway. I might as just get in more trouble, right? I mean, that was my thought in high school. I'm already in trouble with my parents. Might as well just go ahead and really have fun tonight. That was really not wisdom, let me tell you. When your dad's a colonel in the Army, um, things change when you get home. It's just not as much fun as it was out with the boys. But now listen to what it says. He says, but everyone who hears these things of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man. So right now you have to classify yourself, am I foolish or wise? Am I foolish or wise? There's not an in-between here. Who built his house on sand and the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. And notice this, and great was the fall. In other words, the consequences of that were great. It was was more than you imagined. It it went further than you could ever imagine. Now listen to what it says in Proverbs 24 and verses 3 and 4. Through wisdom, a house is built. You see how this, how this is affirming? The scriptures, they always, because they're inspired by the, the Holy Spirit, they're always going to affirm and speak to each other. By understanding, it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. So now he begins here to describe a house that's built, and it's built by understanding and by knowledge and by wisdom. Those three things. And guess what? Every room has something pleasant going on in it. There's not a room that's not apart from that. 
You see, have you ever compartmentalized your heart? You go like, this part of my heart works over here well, and this one works over here, and this works over here. Or compartmentalize your mind, you know, like, you know, 90% of my life is a disaster, but 10% okay, so I'll focus on the 10%, and maybe that'll get me through. You see, what he wants you to do is he wants you to look at your life holistically and say, how do I get all dimensions of my life working well so that every, every room is filled with pleasant riches? So when you think about it, what is wisdom? Wisdom is really three things. It's values, ethics, and faith. Values, ethics, and faith. Now let me talk to you about those. Values are those things which are good, desirable, and worthwhile. You see, you should make a value list. What is good and valuable and worthwhile in my life? You should know those things. You should operate your home by values. And just make a long list. These are things we value. For example, we value, let's say, honesty. We value integrity. We value honor. These are all things that you should build your house on, whether you're, you know, whether you're, you're single, whether you're married, whether your kids have moved out. Do you have values and what are they? You should know what they are. Number two, ethics. These are actions that live out my values. So I say, okay, one of my values is honor, then am I honoring to people? One of my values is gratitude, then am I grateful? That's the ethics of it. In other words, you don't want to say one thing and do something else. It's really interesting because uh, this is the first election season over the last uh, couple of years where people have been voting their social values instead of their convictions or what's best for them. Can you imagine I'm gonna vote for this value even though it's a destroyer of my life? And it is because people have, have really not done the hard work of going through what are my values, am I living out by ethics what I believe, and then the third one is faith. Faith is to understand the moral challenges of our day through the Bible. You see, one social uh, kind of an agenda would be, say, you know, like, well, I just believe homosexuality is fine. Okay, is that a value? Is that an ethic? Can you work that through Scripture? And there's a lot of big issues that people have to deal with in this day and every day, but especially in this day, especially if you're, you happen to be under 18, you're trying to walk through eggshells every single day about what's happening in the ethical world. And the wise person says, what does the Bible have to say about this? The Bible does address all of these things that are going on. I mean, it begins very, very well and very easy in the very beginning of Genesis as God created man and woman. He made it simple. Now we get down to 2022, it's complicated. We got 100 genders. But you see, rather than try to say, no, we don't, why don't we? Because the foundation has to be your faith. It has to be the word of God. You know, we've got a new law. I think it's, uh, I don't know if it's statewide. It's definitely in L.A. because you can see it. You can go into a store and you can steal less than $1,000 and you don't get in trouble. Well, what's wrong with that? Well, it's, everything's wrong with that. Okay, no, what's wrong with that? is there's, a, there's something in the word of God that says this is not right to take something that's not yours. 
And here's the verse and chapter. You see, if we take the time to walk through these things, then we have a basis of our faith. We know why we believe what we believe, and we can defend it. I think too often we don't do the work. We just make these, these kind of lighthearted pronouncements. Well, I don't, I don't believe in that. Well, why not? You see, when you know what you believe, you operate with values, ethics, and faith, and the Bible says that's wisdom. We want to operate with wisdom. Let me take you something about how that wisdom comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And these are the words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. So God says there's some things that are so important that when your kids get up in the morning, you tell them. At noontime, you tell them. At nighttime, you tell them. Why do I have to tell them three times? Really? Really, is that a serious question? Because you see, repetition brings about this idea of understanding. It's really interesting how we remember things. Have you ever watched Orthodox Jews and they rock when they're praying? See, what they found is that memory is actually increased by motion. And when you get a rhythm, that's why you can remember songs sometimes and you can't remember math formulas because nobody put them to rhythm. Nobody put them to music. And so the idea is there's something happening here when I'm doing this that my mind actually walks better, works better. They found out the reason that children crawl and they rock. Have you ever noticed how they rock? That's to help seat their brain. If they walk too soon, which every parent's trying to brag, yeah, my kid walked it, you know, two months. They actually don't seat their brain as well. Anyway, whatever that's worth. <laughs> you shall bind them. Now look what he says. Okay, what am I going to do with these things the Lord God taught me? You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be on the frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. In other words, every place they should be prominent. The first thing you understand and see should be this, these things that God teaches. The things you should operate by when you leave your house, when you come in your house. Am I operating with wisdom in my life? Because you see, it's really important to understand the structure, the foundation of my home. Now, this is talking about your physical home and how you're going to operate. It's talking about your spiritual home and how you're going to operate. Do you have a good foundation in your spiritual life? Second thing is the location of the home. You know, we, location has everything to do with real estate. And, you know, people say, well, this zip code is a little bit better because of school, and this zip code is a little bit better because of the way the, the property value happens. Well, you know, there's a location that's really important. Listen to what it says in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So Jesus said it this way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except by me. So you see, Jesus didn't say, I'm one of many. You know, I always laugh a little bit at the bumper sticker that has every symbol of every religion on the back, and it says something like coexist. Well, I can coexist, but that doesn't, I, it's not true. all truth. Well, why isn't it truth? Well, because if Jesus taught that, then Jesus, if Jesus believed that, then Jesus was not telling the truth because he said, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. In other words, there is not many ways, there's not many truths and not many ways. 
This is a little bit more work to think about this, but it's, it, in the end, it pays off. So we go on and read this in Ephesians chapter two, verse 19. And remember, I'm building, I'm building a foundation for you right now to where we're going to go at the end of this message on the kingdom. So stay with me. Even if you, know, you say, I know that, I know that, I know that, just don't ever let the truth of God become common to you. You never, it's never common. It's not like, oh yeah, I know, I know that. No, you don't fully know it because the word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. And what it does is each time you read it, it's living, it's bringing new application to your life. So you never learn a scripture. You might memorize it, but you haven't learned it because the Holy Spirit is active and living in your life. It says here in Ephesians 2.19, you therefore are no longer strangers or foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles, prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Okay, so I'm no longer separated from the kingdom. I'm somehow connected to this kingdom, this, and it's called the household of God here, and the foundation upon which it's built is Jesus Christ and the apostles and the prophets. But Jesus is the chief cornerstone, so I'm always going to lean into Jesus. What did Jesus have to say about this matter? Now let's go to Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good, especially to those who are of the household of faith. All right, now here's what he's saying. Being in this kingdom, being in this household, is not just sitting back on easy street and waiting for something to happen. It's actually doing, engaging. And that's one of the reasons we wanted to highlight those of you who serve because service is so critical for the development of your spiritual life. Right? I mean, can you imagine, you know, I mean, I mean how many of you growing up had chores? All right, now look, those of you who didn't, I don't know what household you lived in, but it must have been nice. Well, we had a nanny. Oh. Okay. But why was that important? It wasn't important because, you know, we, and we were like the cheapest payers for our kids. I mean, we had kids cleaning toilets for a dime. It was amazing. And they were so proud they wouldn't let anybody use them after they got done. They're guarding them. No, no, you can't go in there. I just cleaned it. They didn't figure out they could get another dime if they, after they messed it up, but we didn't teach them that. But why is it important? Why was it important to raise children like that? It was because we want you to understand something about service. We want you to understand something about work ethic. We want you to understand something about what it means to be a part of a family. And so for a church, part of a family means all of those things. It means there's a responsibility, there's an honor, there's a service, all these things. Why? Because it makes for the development of your spiritual life. Just like raising up a child that way makes for the development of their, of their physical life. And it's critically important. You know, we, we talked, it's, uh, it seems hard to believe it's been a year, because uh, it seems like yesterday, a year ago, that we were, uh, we were really had before us an opportunity to buy a building, which we did uh, next door. And uh, I look back and I kind of laugh about it. I just want to give you a quick history lesson because this is so fun. Uh, our lender told us we only needed to raise 10%. Remember this? It was 600000 And then they changed their mind and said, no, you need to raise 20%. So we had to raise. So I had to come back to you and say, we need another 600000 
That's not easy to do, you know? Um, but you did it. You know, you did it. And we bought the building. And I made this statement. I said the first decade from 2012 to 2022, because we're 10 years old, was the pioneers. The people that really just kind of set out and said, we're gonna, we're gonna do this thing. We don't know how it's gonna work, but we're gonna, we're gonna be involved in it. In the second 10 years, we're calling the time of builders. But there's things we have to build into our future for our future. So every year, this time of year, we do something called a miracle offering. And so I, you have a brochure, but I wanna just walk you some of the key things in this. And the first one is an elevator. And you say, well, that's about as unexciting to me is anything I know because I love stairs, <laughs> right? But if you are in a physical situation where you can't navigate stairs, then we've basically eliminated everyone who's there or will be there from going up the stairs at our new building. So when, when we take on burdens, we take on burdens as a family. So I'm gonna give you four today, and I want you just to think about them and pray about them, and, and none of these may excite you. You say, I'm not excited about that at all. But I want you at least to pray about them, yeah. all right? The second one is scholarship. So one of the things we did, we decided we would start a learning center here. So now we have a four-day-a-week, full-day learning center for children. <laughs> and it's so great when you walk in and they're doing the Pledge of Allegiance, then they're praying, they're talking about the word of God, they're growing up in the nature and the, and the life of, of Almighty God. This is to help those parents who need some help paying that tuition to be a part of this experience. Third one is a playground. So the playground we currently have was given to us by Hillsborough School up the street 10 years ago because they thought it was too old. Did you hear me? I like the price, but I'd like to upgrade that for our kids. And then the fourth one is American Faith. And this has to do more with the studio, with camera, equipment, lens, some of those kind of things. And I just ask you to take these four and just pray about it. Just pray about it. Say, God, I just want you to show me if this is the direction. This is a time for year-end giving. So people always, you know, they're kind of looking at the end of their life. They're going like, or end of the year and going like, well, what, what can I do? What should I do? If it's the end of your life, you should look at things too. <laughs> very, very important. I recommend it highly. But now let me get to the, to, to, the, to the last part of this message. This is what I wanted you to be at. The keys, the keys to the home. Do you know you can own a home and never go inside it. You can own a home, buy it, and you're waiting for the keys to be delivered. Until you get the keys, the home's not doing you a lot of good. Because you're on the outside, you're looking in. You can be a Christian looking into the kingdom, not understand how the kingdom works. Even though you have the keys, you may not use the keys. You may not know how to use the keys. Also, it's very interesting that Jesus said this in Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. What are these things? These are everything pertaining to life. Do you realize he said when you seek the kingdom and put him first, then everything that's in life that you need is at your disposal. Health. Wealth 
truth, hope, joy, all of those things are at your disposal. And the deeper into the kingdom you get, it's like opening the door of your house. You ever, you know, when you get that new, that first new house and you open the door and you walk in and you go, the first thing you say is like, wow, this is amazing. I can't believe we own a home. How do we do it? And then the second thing is how are we gonna afford it, amen? But remember, I'm gonna repeat this. You have to get into the environment where things happen naturally. Do you realize when you open the door of your house and you go into it, you're now in an environment where home can happen. Whether you rent, whether you buy, it doesn't matter. It's still home. You wanna, you wanna get wet, you get in the water. You wanna get warm, you get by the fire. You wanna understand the kingdom, you've gotta get into the kingdom. You've gotta go deeper than surface Christianity is what I'm trying to say. So the first thing you do is you get the keys. So the realtor shows up or whoever, however you get them and shows up and said, here's the keys to your new house. You're happy and they're happy because they got a fat commission, amen? All right, so what happens? You take the keys and what do you do? You turn the keys. There's nothing more exciting than your first home. You turn the keys and listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 16, 19. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Do you notice he said keys? He doesn't say key. Do you realize that, that God disperses keys that is unique, proprietary information about the kingdom and you may, not, you may have a whole ring of keys. You don't know how to use them. Well, I don't know how to do this. I don't, know how to, I don't know how to apply prayer, or I don't know how to apply fasting. I don't know how to do this or that in the kingdom. But there's keys. You have keys. You need to say to yourself, I have keys, because you have keys. One of my favorite stories, I've told it many times here, because I love it. Even if you're bored with it, I'm gonna tell it again. When I was in grade school, Mr. Snyder was the custodian, and he had the keys to every room, and he had one of those big rings. Now, I saw Mr. Snyder go down the hallway a lot because I got put in the hallway a lot by my teachers. For some reason, they thought that was a better learning environment within the classroom for me. And Mr. Snyder would come down the hall, and everybody loved Mr. Snyder. He was the favorite guy in the entire, you know, like the favorite teacher, principal? No, 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 it was Mr. Snyder. And a lot of times he'd see me in the hall, and he said, what'd you do this day, kid? I don't know, I did something, you know, whatever I said. And he said, you want to come clean the erasers with me? Now, this is old school. Some people are going, what's an eraser? <laughs> you can Google it. You can find out. They, they used to have chalk and erasers and boards, and then they had machines, and you'd take this eraser and you'd set it on it, and this big brush would come and knock all the chalk off. And we used to take our hand and see if we could, how long we could keep it on there before it hurt. This is, this is what happens to boys. Boys do things like this. Hey, kid, you want to go clean erasers? I'd go down there. But on the way down there, Mr., he knew this, the, he knew the keys were important, and he knew they were important to the kids. Because when he'd walk down the hall, he'd take his hand, he'd flick the keys, just like this. And when you're sitting in classroom, you could hear the keys coming down the hallway. You go, there's Mr. Snyder. He's got the keys. I want you to know walking down Glory Highway is Jesus. He's got the keys. Amen, can you hear him jingle? He's walking on streets of gold and he's saying, I got the keys. Do you hear the keys yet? 
Uh, you're not excited about the keys yet. You gotta get excited about Jesus has got the keys. Amen? And guess what? He said, I give you the keys to the kingdom. You get to have a ring of keys. You get to walk down your streets, your hallways in the kingdom and flick the keys. Say, flick the keys. Amen. Now say, it's mine. Listen to what Luke says in Luke 12, 32. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You have keys to the kingdom. The kingdom is what he gave you, it gives you to understand how to operate in life. Matthew 24, or 25 and verse 34, it says this. Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Jesus spoke more about the kingdom than he did about your salvation, than he did about heaven. He wants you to understand the kingdom. You have to understand, if I have the keys, I can get into the kingdom. I get in the doors in the kingdom. I go deeper and deeper into the kingdom. There's some things right now in every person's life you go like, if God would do this, or if God would answer that prayer, what is that thing for you? It's probably a kingdom matter. It's probably something that the kingdom can address. So I want you to stand with me right now, and I want you to think about that thing that you'd like to see God do in your life or in your family's life. Just bow your head for a moment. I want you to seriously think about it. What is it I'd like to see God do that can only be done by the power of the kingdom of God? Just take a minute. Don't, don't let this just fly past you. Your first thought might be, I don't know if God would do that. Why wouldn't he? He promised it. Well, it's pretty big. Well, that, he's a pretty big God. Well, I've prayed before and it hasn't happened, but maybe you haven't really moved in the wisdom of God and applied this to your life and say, God, I have the keys. Just repeat this after me. God, I have the keys. Show me how to use them. God, I have the keys. Give me the strength to turn the key, to understand my new environment in the kingdom of God. All power and authority has been given to me. I will go in the power of Almighty God, in Jesus' name. If you receive that, say, I receive it.